0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Not About Wrestling. I'm Chris Laminati.
1: I'm Stephanie Bowen. Hi, Stephanie. I always say that like a question. Like I throw a Stephanie Bowen. Like I don't know what my actual name is. I I feel like that's just a thing now. That's a Kardashian thing. It's not just
0: names. It's everything ends in a sentence. Or I'm sorry, everything ends in a question. Like I'm really going to go there. I'm really. Get, it's. It's not even like a question. It's the raising of the voice at the end.
1: Yeah, but I don't want. I don't want to question that. you to no. be confident in my name.
0: Okay, so do you want it's to say me. it again with
1: confidence? No, <laughs> no. You want don't. Me to it with
0: confidence. She's <laughs> Stephanie Bowen. I'm Crystal Minotti. This, this is not about wrestling. <laughs> this is not about wrestling.
1: Uh, I actually liked that on the last episode. As I was going through and editing that one, you let in saying that it was a special episode, not another episode. You said it's a special episode of not about wrestling. And I was like, I think he messed that up. But that's hysterical with Sammy. Mm -hmm. Or was it a special one? Did you specifically say that? Because it was the only time you've ever changed it.
0: Yes, it was special for for many reasons. One, it was only the interview was only 20 minutes long, which has only ever happened once before with Ray Mysterio.
1: No, it has not. It was also Deanna Purrazzo.
0: Right. Okay. Carry on. Basically anybody with impact, but Ray's not with impact. Most impact interviews and Ray uh, were that short. So it was special in that way. It was special because I thought it was only going to be me and we weren't going to do an intro. Like I thought I was going to just post that without an intro. Uh, So that was going to be my intro. I wasn't going to talk it up. So I was planning for that to
1: be only it. I got you now.
0: Okay. Also, that's I feel like that's only uh, may, uh, well, Danny, which came later. I, I've only done two without you in the recent weeks. Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, just these two.
0: Yes. So it was very special. But every episode's special.
1: No, I know they really are.
0: And every guest is special. Mm-hmm. And me, I'm especially special.
1: You're such a special boy,
0: <laughs> but like special in like the needs a different class type of way. <laughs> like that, like like special ed on uh crank yankers. No, that's back. No, what crank yankers is back. Uh I didn't know this because I couldn't tell you the last time I watched Comedy Central, but I do know crank yankers is back because I have a friend who loves crank yankers and he told me that crank yankers is back.
1: I was very stoked about it being back. He's super stoked.
0: I don't know if all cool. of the same characters have returned. But the show and its original concept where people make prank calls and there's puppets involved. I know that show is back. It could be canceled by now. Who knows? I don't yeah. know. I didn't know More it was on. I don't know when it's going to be off. It could have been gone by now. Who knows?
1: Huh, yeah. More than likely. More than likely. Yeah. Um, Going back to last episode, you spoke with Sammy mm-hmm. and Slammiversary happened. hmm Yesterday when we're recording this. So when you guys hear this episode, it'll be just two days ago. Very prompt. Yeah. Um,
0: Heard it was a great show.
1: Oh, yes. Do you want to tell everyone why you were unable to watch it?
0: Uh, Yeah, sure. So Steph was nice enough to lend me her fight uh, login and we both watched it. Well, I shouldn't say we both watched it. Steph watched it, and I watched the first mm, what seven minutes?
1: Barely. You were like, "Yes, we got it to work, so we could both watch it on the same account." But yeah, and then this massive—I mean, massive—lightning
0: storm, lightning and thunderstorm. So, anyone out there in New Jersey? I believe it also hit Delaware, New Jersey, Delaware. Parts yeah, it was of-
1: my—it was my area too. Oh, Maryland. The, yeah, all the things you were sending me—I was there. Yeah, it just didn't get me as bad.
0: Yeah. So uh my power immediately went out and I was without power from so what time did the uh pay-per-view start?
1: I don't remember. Eight around eight, eight I guess. Yeah.
0: So like maybe eight twenty my power went out and I didn't get it back until 150 in the morning.
1: Yeah. Which I like I texted you this morning, like that had to have been startling. When your power is out and all of a sudden, when it turns back on in the middle of the night, that like everything just turns on and things start beeping. Everything comes
0: back on. Like even if I wanted to turn the lights off, that would have done nothing. Like my air conditioner popped back on. Every uh, clock in my house went beep. Um, Yeah, like everything made a noise at like 150 in the morning. But like I told you, I did not care because it was so goddamn hot that I was just glad that the AC came back.
1: Yeah, really. I was like, yes. And
0: I went and shut all the windows, <laughs> and put the AC on, and I was like, I don't give. I'm going to sleep in front of it. I'm just going to put my face up to it and stand up straight. And because it was so hot, it was so hot. Uh, it was awful. But you got to see the show, and uh, you texted me a couple times, and it sounded awesome.
1: I know, and I, I felt so bad because I'm like, does he want to know these things? Should I say it? But I was yeah, freaking out about some things. There were a ton of returns Mm -hmm. or debuts, lots of cross promotional activities Mm -hmm. that got me super excited. So they had Thunder Rosa as Deanna's surprise partner, which we had talked previously, definitely thought it was going to be someone from AEW. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: You
1: uh, correctly called that. It was going to be Thunder Rosa.
0: Just because I know the NWA connection. But go
1: ahead. that's true. That was yes. the only guess.
0: like, that was really the only.
1: Yep. And then the Brian Myers to Neil Dashwood versus Cardona and a mystery guest was the most obvious of all mystery guests, but still fantastic and very well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a, it was a fantastic match. Um, who else did we get? We got the debut of no way. Sans the Jose. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the exact same entrance with his conga line and all the craziness. <laughs> and then was that all the surprise is Oh, and Finn juice came back and had a tag team match.
2: Let's go
0: back real quick to uh, no way. Uh, no, no longer Jose. Uh, mm-hmm. You said that his entrance was very much like his WWE. entrance. It
1: was the exact same thing.
0: Okay. Like, they can still get in trouble for that. Like, they can still get sued by WWE for that.
1: That's what I was wondering. I was like, what is he actually allowed to do?
0: Well, uh, the names and stuff are probably copyrighted in some way. But, uh, so, when Scott Hall jumped over from WWF to WCW, I mean, I realized this was years ago, but WWF sued WCW because he was using his Razor Ramon likeness. Like, he was throwing toothpicks. And speaking in the like uh, the like Scarface accent. So uh, you know they were saying that that was part of the WWE character, and they sued on that, and then he wouldn't do that anymore. So if they're kind of perpetuating that he's still no way Jose, and he still kind of has the same entrance, but he's just not Jose. I don't know. It depends how deep WWE really wants to get into it.
1: Well, they also said, no way, Jose, as he came in, but then everything just said, no way on it. Uh, Fala introduced him as no way, Jose.
0: That's so funny. You'd think that would be the one thing like on their scripts or things like, just don't call don't. him this.
1: Don't, don't do not
0: call it. him this. That's why you're almost better off. I, like, I don't know. I, it It all depends on the talent themselves. Sometimes you're almost better off calling them a completely different name just so you don't mess up or just so there's no, you know kind of reminding people of what he or she used to be or whatever. I don't know. That's just what I think. I I don't know if no way Jose was really that huge that you got to like, hang on to the marketing and like, I don't know. Right.
1: They're like, no, you're okay, bud. Go ahead and use that. We don't really
0: care. Everyone will figure this out. They'll either remember you or not remember you. So, Uh, but do you want to talk about the big moment?
1: I sure do. (laughs) I
0: I know you've been practicing.
1: Well, oh, also left out. (laughs) (laughs) that <laughs> been practicing. Also left out was that Mickey James showed up and uh confronted Diana Prazo about joining the NWA Empower All Women's Pay Per View, to which Deanna was pissed that Mickey James came and stole her spotlight as she was celebrating her win and basically told her to fuck off. So that was that. Things think- are happening. The end, of course, the match with Sammy and Kenny, which I texted you that I could barely watch at times. I swear I probably watched more of the Nick Gage Dark Side of the Ring episode than I did this match. Yeah. Before uh, you
0: react, the way you reacted, I thought he like showed up or something. You're like, I can't watch this match. I'm like, who's, the, who's oh, wrestling? A
1: pizza cutter. There was a pizza cutter involved and I had PTSD from watching the Nick Gage episode and with the pizza cutter.
0: Didn't Matt Stryker go, my God, there's a
1: pizza cutter. I, I probably, I don't listen. I know you just get angry.
0: <laughs> a, I'm sure he's a nice fella. I'm not, I'm not a Matt Stryker on the mic fan, but.
1: So the match itself was fantastic. Kenny retained, which I think we all expected at this point. I don't even know what's going to happen when he finally loses belts at all. Like, is he just, is it going to be some grand thing where he just constantly drops belts or like, I don't, it's going to be interesting, but uh, at the very end of the match, as the good brothers come out and are celebrating with Kenny, all of a sudden it goes dark and on the screen pops up bullet club Are like what the hell is happening timeout timeout. So when that happens,
0: who are you thinking is coming out?
1: To be fair, I was not watching when that happened. I, well, because I'm like half paying attention. I'm not, after all the surprises throughout the night, I'm not thinking that anyone is going to appear at the end of this. So I'm like half, I'm like texting you. I'm texting, I, yeah, I think I was probably just texting you Mm -hmm. and not, and kind of like half paying attention to the TV. So by the time I look up is when I see Switchblade pop up. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then Jay fucking white appears who I have been talking about showing up since January 5th, when he did his promo after Russell kingdom and seemed like he was going to quit and leave. And I was like, Oh my God, he needs to show up in AEW. He's going to pop up here. There was just so much stuff going on then. And he was trolling people and it was ridiculous. Uh, so I've been talking about it for months. And then it finally fucking happened. Okay. And he comes out, gets in the ring. The boys throw up the two sweet and try and get him to two sweet them. And then all of a sudden you start to see someone run out and then the feed drops. And there's nothing. And the show's over. You're like, what the fuck happened? Soprano's,
0: uh, sopranos ending.
1: So... I haven't seen if it was actually confirmed whether that was on purpose or not. Mm. Um, Things did happen. So Sean Ross Sapp was in the front row at Impact and tweeted about it afterwards that it was uh, Finn Juice that ran out and got in the ring and attacked Jay White. Uh, And then Jay White hit his finisher on Juice Robinson and left. So that was the end. I assume that was all supposed to be aired. I don't see why they would just cut that. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they try and play it off like they meant to do that. Mm. Because they knew that it was going to get out. Like there were people there. They're going to tweet about it. So if it's something that was supposed to be secret or that they were going to talk about this Thursday, either way, it's going to get eyes on the product on Thursday for sure. So um background for anyone who does not know right now that Jay White is supposed to face David Finlay Finlay on August 14th at New Japan Resurgence okay. so that encounter in the ring totally makes sense
0: um should we talk about my belt theory or Go what ahead. I want? yeah I think there should be one belt like the way there was an old NWA belt and it shouldn't be the NWA belt because the NWA belt should be just defended on NWA. But there should be one belt that the champion goes from promotion to promotion. It's just my thoughts. And then one grand big belt and he goes to different pay-per-views and defends it in different places and then gets beaten. The next guy is the traveling champion.
1: Yeah, I mean, right now they just kind of do that all over. It doesn't matter. People can jump from place to place. Yeah,
0: but not with the but they're jumping. So Kenny has the two championships. So mm-hmm. technically there there is an Impact champion, but he's going around and he's also the AEW champion. What I'm saying is what they would do is it's one champion above all else and then Impact also has their champion. Is what I mean.
1: Got it, sort of. So do you think it that they could go in that direction. And that's how Kenny gets rid of the belts that they turn it into some overarching championship. And then he's like, Oh, let me just dish these out to the peasants. (laughs) Like what?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Not like a unification process, but like we're going to unveil this big gaudy belt. And this is the belt that encompasses the world, the world championship and all of the little, all of the federations are the world. And uh, yeah, and then Kenny's obviously the number one contender for that. And then they figure out the other contender by, you know, matches or whatever, or who, you know, if it's whoever's is new Japan, maybe there's a tournament, a tournament would be fun. Can you imagine a tournament with everyone from different federations at one giant event? How fun would that be?
1: Which is basically what they're trying to do with empower with the NWA women's pay-per-view.
0: But I mean, but also AEW and yeah, like,
1: AEW. yeah, no, that would be great. I would love to see that.
0: Yeah. The only problem there would be, I mean, as is always is the problem, the creative. Who goes over, who doesn't, where, you know, who goes, you know, I, I, I feel like they might be past that by now. Look, if they're all willing to work together, because mm-hmm. we know, I, I hate saying this, but like in AEW, they matter. But wins and losses don't matter anymore. So going into a tournament like that and losing to an AEW guy doesn't affect your status and impact or whatever. You know, it's just kind of... So there's no like, oh, well, we saw him loss, so lose on TV, so it kind of ruins him over here. You know, there's well, more Yeah,
1: also, I mean, you're figuring if they're the top guys against top guys, it's not as important, I think, on that. Because they're at the same level in their respective promotions. Right. So you're not, a, a loss isn't as impactful as it is within your own.
0: How hard would those tickets be to get?
1: I would, <laughs> I would hope we'd be able to get some and then it'd be really difficult for everyone else. Never, never, Um never. Gosh, that would be great. I I'm wondering where they're going with the Jay White thing. They posted Someone posted the last match, one and only, actually, between Jay White and Kenny Omega one-on-one, I mm-hmm. believe. It was in 2000, January 2018, mm-hmm. and Jay White beat Kenny for the IWGP US Championship. And so that was tweeted out, and Kenny had replied to it. And said, not denying the loss or anything, but we don't need to revisit this. It was a one-time thing. That's it. So that was tweeted out today. Okay. Which is interesting. I mean, obviously, Uh, they have a plan that we don't know about. (laughs) But that's that's the thing that makes my mind wander. Because you also have the hangman and Kenny thing going on right now. So where could this possibly be going right now when there's a huge story build that's been going on for well over a year with Kenny and Hangman that you can't just get in the way of.
0: This is how you change as a wrestling fan. Huh? You're all new and you're not new, but you've been only doing this for a while. You're into the like, well, what are they going to do? What's this? My thought is, when I, when it happens, I'll watch it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm.
1: I don't but I, don't I like just thinking it. of all yeah. the directions that I could go.
0: Cause I'd rather just, I'd rather not know. I'd rather just watch and be surprised and not read who's coming where.
1: No, that's the thing. I'm not, I'm not getting any of that information either, but now like my brain is just thinking of all the different ways that it could go. Uh-huh. And how it could happen? I'm not seeking out any secret information. You
0: can't seek it out; it pops up in Twitter and and everything, and you it kind not of like, really.
1: Yeah, I, think
0: I think maybe it's the people I follow.
1: <laughs> yes, I think there's just. I mean, we talked about it. Gosh, who do we talk about it with? I, we talked about it with Tony Shavani
2: hmm.
1: oh. that these things don't get spoiled. Like, did I saw nothing about Jay White? It was the last person I was expecting and I've been seeking, I've been hoping for him to show up and he was the last person I would think to show up at impact.
0: Here's what I think on that. Not saying that I read this or heard this or anything like that. I feel like it's much different now because if somebody leaks and something gets out, they're going to track down where it came from and your ass is going to get fired. So no one wants to get fired. So, like, 15, 20 years ago, if somebody leaked something out, it was kind of hard to trace back where that came from. But now you could pretty much figure out, like, okay, who saw this? Who knows this? Who's been around? Mm-hmm. Let's trace it back. And then this person will lose their job. And no one wants to lose their job just because they want to be the first to put out a tweet or send it to a dirt sheet or you can put it on a burner account or whatever. Like mm-hmm. you, you, you uh, care more about your job than you do about dishing news to somebody. So I think that's part of it. Like I think they real people really know they'll lose their jobs now.
1: Yeah, definitely true.
0: It's back to them if it gets back. I mean,
1: yeah, I mean, same thing. I had no idea that Tommy and Malachi Black, mm. all the different names now, that he was going to show up. It's been really good and all these shows are going above and beyond having a live audience that's been fun too it's Uh, making everything way better and it's interesting we have discussed we talked about it back when um wwe was doing their forced crowd reactions and people had to react a, a certain way and you didn't know who was really over because the WWE was telling you who they wanted to be over. And now we're really finding out in those WWE shows who's over and who's not. Did you I, see the video of Liv Morgan?
0: I don't watch anything WWE anymore. It's on Twitter. I, I don't even pay attention on Twitter. I'm just so out of the product. I'm so uninterested with the product.
1: Liv Morgan is so over. It's ridiculous.
0: But doesn't she has a new tag team partner, right?
1: I uh, believe she's solo. She's I going thought, into the Money in the Bank match. I thought is she, what she was talking about. I thought she got paired with somebody that came up from NXT. She so might have been. I don't know. I, I don't pay as much soon. attention either. Maybe. Either way, she's that, going into Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank solo. I
0: I did see I did see that, and it, it just irritates the hell out of me. And I don't remember who we talked to about this. Maybe we just complained about it, but. So she's Shotzi Blackheart in NXT, and now she comes up to WWE, and she's just Shotzi. Like, it's literally the same company on a different night, and now we're just supposed to ignore it. I she didn't. was in the Women's Royal Rumble as Shotzi Blackheart. where So we're I just going like, to drop her name? I had no idea. Yeah, that's just Shotzi. <laughs> I mean, at least they didn't completely change it like they did with the Viking Raiders or any of those. But, like, we, we, you know. You. You know, in the Marvel Universe, like Iron Man doesn't go somewhere else and become like Iron, bro. (laughs) Like you're (laughs) still Iron Man. Like we still know his name. Like stick with the name that you gave them. Anyway, should we talk about who's on this week's episode? Yeah, let's do it. Mr. Danny Limelight.
1: Danny Limelight. I'm so bummed that I missed this one. I like him. That sounds like a porn name. I'm going to say it. (laughs) (laughs) Look, he can hit all sorts of different uh, avenues after wrestling. Didn't know where that was
0: going. (laughs) I mentioned porn. You're like, look, he could hit. And I was like, well, I'm
1: a lady. <laughs> I am a lady.
0: Here we go. We just went. We just went blue. Things are going to get crazy. Not about wrestling
2: mm-hmm. after dark.
1: Things are gonna <laughs> get nuts. No, so about. Uh, I am bummed. I missed this one since I have seen him wrestle mm-hmm. in a bar, which I listened to. And you guys, you talked <laughs> to him about.
0: You talked about it. I was literally texting you at the time that we were talking. It was very real time very real time. We were talk- talking to him. I'm texting you. I'm telling him things. We're looking it up on Wikipedia. It was very real time.
1: This is how it happens
0: here. This is why we do it here. We're like going with the flow. We're like a radio show that just gets recorded and put out a week later, but we're like a radio show
1: or <laughs> <laughs> two weeks later. Sometimes it's fine. Three weeks.
0: I think I also enjoyed how Danny was like, just on like a back deck of like an apartment complex and just like saying hi to people walking by and shirtless and just living the life. <laughs>
1: yeah. Just chilling by a pole. Uh-huh. Uh yeah, That's so where you, we should do all our podcasts from. Why am I in this room? Why am I not of, sitting somewhere? Uh,
0: to be fair, it's been COVID for a while. Yeah. I think we haven't gotten out of COVID. Like, I, I think we've gotten out of COVID. I think we haven't gotten out of COVID mentality. Like, we're like, no, no, we have to do this from a room. And with no one else watching, it's like, no, we don't anymore. We can, <laughs> no. do, this. We can do this somewhere else.
1: Yeah. That's the thing.
0: No. Um. So, yeah. So we talked to Danny. We talked to, uh, oh, I should say, I talked to Danny. I talked to 14 people from his movie. I talked to even the catering guy. He might've showed up in there. I don't remember how many, <laughs> I, thought, I felt like I was doing like a Zoom teleconference with, I, I thought I was leading a, uh, a group and we were all going to give a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> no, there was a lot of people in this interview.
1: <laughs> yes. But you did a great job. It was very seamless. Uh, thank you. And everyone hopping in. I'm super yeah. bummed that I've had to miss Two interviews now. One, this one was due to work. Another one due to you just wanting to do one while I was on vacation.
0: We're on vacation. Uh, yeah. We've talked about why. I know. But sometimes you're at the mercy of PR people. And you just want to do it.
1: Yeah, no, I'm glad you got to yeah. knock that one out. Also, I'm also glad that I can use my equipment again. Because last week I could not because my power was going out. I'm going to defend myself here. I asked you first.
0: I said, do you care if I talk to Sammy?
1: I I am not saying anything against that. I'm just saying that I did not get to participate.
0: I was like, I was like, uh, wouldn't it be crazy if I got someone like you? Like, what if for some, even though it was the impact PR person, what if they were like, you want to talk to Kenny? Uh, What do I do? That's such a moment that I don't know what to do. Would you stop your vacation?
1: Literally anything. (laughs)
0: you'd be in the middle of vacation trying to look for a a ring light and a microphone and, and anything. I got this. (laughs) You're like, I'm Steph, I'm on the beach and I'm talking to Kenny Omega.
1: (laughs) We'd figure it out.
0: (laughs) So uh, here's me talking to uh, Danny Limelight and uh, a bunch of people from his movie. They're all cool guys. I should say that. But uh, a lot of people from uh, who were in his movie and helped out with his movie And we're back, and we are here with Danny Limelight and DJ Loudmouth. What's up, my friends? Mi gente, what's going on, baby? We we got somebody else coming in too. Uh, Creative Lab, does he want to? Yes, wanna he is
3: the producer. He's a uh, not, he's a he's a producer of the film and the editor of the film.
0: Okay, I feel like if there's one more person, I feel like I should be part of the film now. Like, what could I be? Let's do it. Yeah, we, <laughs> we can get you. <laughs> we get you in the sequel. Can I be? Uh, I can I be guy in the background number four?
3: Yes, let's do that. Habibi, I feel- Creative Lab
0: what's going on, baby? <laughs> How's it going, man? Hi, Safe, Creative
3: Labs, he's a producer of the film and he also edited, he's the editor, colorer. He did, he did a lot of work on this film, so he's a great uh, friend of mine.
0: All right, so let's jump on, let's just start talking about the film. Let's start from the beginning, because uh, Danny, I was gonna ask you like, when did you realize you could or would want to write a film?
3: Well, I, when I was a kid, my mom would put me on a word processor And I would just sit there and type stories. Like I had this imagination where I just wanted to write stories, you know, books and stuff like that, if you will, fictional stuff. And it wasn't until, you know, I started going to acting school and I took a screenwriting class on the side where I realized that like I really did love writing. And so I started like, you know, writing little short things, but it was only like three pages, you know, little like short skits kind of basically. And then I started going deeper, deeper and deeper. And then, you know, Miko Sad, who's the director of the film, um, he told me, you know, he's like, man, you should write more like write more and, and you, you you have a talent you can really put something together and so you know I started writing and I, we did a couple of short films and then he was like now I want you to write something that can highlight you you know because I always I always had everybody else in the front I was always kind of like in the like a co-star or like a like a like a small little role for myself kind of you know I really wanted to highlight everybody else I just wanted to write you know it came to the point where I, I was just loving the art of writing and so you know he he kept bugging me and bugging me and so we started writing Joe Riff. And, you know, I wrote the script in a couple of days and, and you know, the rest is history, man. We went, we, we we did some rehearsals and then we shot the film all in one day.
0: Wait, you shot it all in one day? One day. How? Okay, so it like did you have six, to get- Like a 16 hour day. <laughs> so did you have to get permits? Everyone's laughing cause they're like, I feel like they knew that they were a part of this. Like how does, first of all, how does it all start? So y- you have the script. You're ready. Like, do you know anything about the movie business? Like, was somebody helping you along? Like, how did that all?
3: So, like, I had I had done, like um like I said, like acting school where we take certain classes in the school. Where we're teaching certain things, you know. And then I I went to, you know, uh, a filmmaking school where we learned certain things about filmmaking, behind the camera kind of stuff. But not too much. I had just started when we were getting ready to shoot this film. And so, I had been on set a few times for, like, my daughter. My daughter she had booked national commercials. So, I seen how certain things were done. When she was on set, um, I have I had did John Morrison's film Speed of Time, so I saw how certain things were ran then. But really, you know, it was just trial and error. You know, like the, the couple of shorts that I had did. You know, I got my friends together, people that wanted to act, people that are actors, and you know, we kind of just did it. You know, we went on the whim with it. With this one though, it was a bigger, bigger project, and you know, we had a lot of stunts involved. A lot, you know, a lot of different kind of sets. We had to, you know, I had to go rent out a studio that had them build me like a club looking scene. And a diner looking scene. And you know, there was just so many different areas we were shooting at. Um, and so it was a lot of work. We got there, I think, at eight o'clock in the morning and we didn't get done until 10 30 at night. So it was actually it was a 14, 14-hour day, and I just had a whole bunch of people, you know, show up. You know, loudmouth came from San Diego, brought all his DJ equipment so he could DJ and spin music. So while we're in between takes, he's like legit spinning songs, for people just having a good time, keep the energy up, keep the energy flowing. Miko, the director's running around trying to figure out how he wants his shots taken. I'm sitting there trying to remember my lines, trying to remember my fights and getting everybody, or you know, together to like get ready for the shoot and stuff like that. And we were working with some very talented people and we were working with some, you know, I don't want to say amateurs, but like new people, like up and coming people that are trying to learn the business and stuff like that. So it was a lot of work.
0: So so Loudmouth, have you ever uh, DJed people at work? Because people were at work and that you were doing that's what you were doing.
4: Yeah, it was different. <laughs> it was definitely different. Uh, no, that was my first time. Uh, you know dj while, while we were actually working it was pretty fun though like everybody was super entertaining they loved it they were engaging and it was just oh i mean like it was my first time working with danny and i remember when he gave me the call and he's like you know uh you want to be in this movie and i was like of course like of course like no doubt about it and i pack up all my equipment in my car and i'm gone the next day gone mm-hmm. and
3: like and, what's of- crazy is that like i had never met lamov before but when i was a drone instructor in the marine corps i knew his drone instructor so I had made a post on Facebook and I was like, hey, I'm looking for a DJ for a film, blah, blah, blah. And his drone instructor, who's somebody that I respect and, you know, like, you know, he's a, he's a friend of mine. I was like, hey, this guy right here. So I hit him up and within like 30 minutes, he got back to me and said, yeah. And, and then he came out and did it.
0: Okay. And creative, how did you get involved?
2: Oh, after the, all these things happened, uh, I have a friend like uh, Miko, the director. Uh, I just moved like now five years from Middle East. I was working in Dubai knowing films and documentaries more than movies, then I said, I have to move to LA because, uh, the, you know, the future of cinema is here. Then Miko talked with me about uh, Daniel. He's doing an action movie and the uh, other guy is involved doing uh, fighting uh, directing, uh, Nick Hermes. So I got excited for that. And, uh, okay, let's do, first of all, let's save the movie, do the edit. Then we think about... The color grading and all these details and uh, the VFX because I have some VFX like uh, bloods and shootings and everything else. Mm. Then I met Danny. He came to the office. I said, oh, my God, this look like uh, a small seed for a big movie is coming up because he's very good acting. Uh, Miko have a vision in that movie. We try to really shine it very well uh, with some struggles. As you know, they film it in one day. Uh, Danny, some troubles or big troubles? That's- big <laughs> troubles. That.
3: <laughs> I, if, we're being, if we're being honest, you know, let's say the film was shot in one day, you know, we did the best we could, but Creative Lab safe, he, like, brought the film really to life. Like, huh. everything he did in editing, the coloring, the, the VFX, all the stuff that he did after it was shot, when my job was done, basically, mm-hmm. he, man, the film wouldn't be what it is without, without his hands.
2: No, it's a teamwork. It's a teamwork. All of us, we have a passion for uh, this movie and the future movie. So that's why we put all our efforts here and uh, we make it happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, if you got 16 hours to shoot a movie, like shit is going to go wrong. And so, I mean, like, did you have to, when things did go wrong, were you just like, all right, let's knock this out? Or were you just like, all right, let's just move on and kind of think of something else?
3: Man, well, first off, it was like some people didn't show up, right? So we had people that had, you know, essentially auditioned for the roles, booked the roles, go with us to the fight choreo practice, practice the fights. And then the day of, they canceled. And I'm like, you know, what the, you know, what the heck, you know, like not like there's certain parts that I needed certain people to be there mm-hmm. and they didn't show up the day of. And so I kind of really just was good. Babe? I kind of just like called people that I knew in LA the like, last minute. I was like, hey, I need you here. I need you here. I need you here. Guys just showed up and now, in-between sets of me delivering lines at certain parts. Now I'm trying to teach somebody else a fight real fast. And, you know, Laomoff was there. He could attest to it. it. I was on my feet the entire day, like 100%. the entire day.
4: He never stopped. He
0: never stopped. I mean, I, I don't even know. Like, I feel like just me personally, when something went wrong like that, like when people didn't show up. I feel like I would immediately be like, all right, fuck this. Like I can't, like I can't put on a movie when some of the people who I asked to be here were not here, especially when they went through like, you know, like you said, choreographing fights and things like that. It wasn't just like yeah. just show up and do that. I don't know. I, that's amazing. And you know,
3: fortunately, like like Safe said, the creative lab, like he said, was, you know, we had Nick Herms who's done Transformers, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, you know, three kingdoms. Um, he did he did uh the tax player with Shia LaBeouf recently. He's done a lot like Like I think he has almost a hundred credited films under his belt as an actor stuntman. And, you know, we had him there who was assisting with the cameraman to help shoot the fights and help certain, certain fights that we had planned. The spacing wasn't right in the actual set. So then we had to change the fight so it could fit the location we was at. We had strippers and stripper poles dancing. So certain things was in the way that we didn't take account for when we was practicing in the field, the fights. So a lot of it was like on the fly, but that's where my wrestling background came into play where I'm like, all right, real quick, I have a two-on-one fight in this film. Now, nah, let me just book it like a handicap match, you know? Mm-hmm. And we had to change some of the fight, but we made it work and fit for, for the venue that we had, you know? So it, 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 what I will say is that people showed up, the people that did show up, showed up ready, were, were professional, ready to adapt, ready to, you know, make the moves that needed to be made. And they were listening, you know? Obviously, like you said, 16 hours, a whole film, it, it's hard to do. So there were some things that went wrong, some things that we had to throw away, get rid of, move on from. But we did our best. You know, Miko kept his his professionalism, he kept his patience to make sure that we got the shots that were very vital to the movie. And whatever we didn't have time for, we got rid of. And then we we dropped a whole file to safe. He's like, please
0: do something with this. <laughs> I think that, I think it's funny too how the stripper showed up, but the actors didn't. <laughs> Again, man. <laughs> well it would make uh, sense me, to have me, a
2: club with no females you know it was let me add on this point when you said the people show up or not the thing is really uh in the beginning it's like a seating you you see who's one of, to adapt who has a passion to do that then after that you're going to be really more work more organized like M- miko is there uh nick Hermes is there uh the the Djs the uh, Danny. so when when you get all these elements inside that you know all these people want to deliver, no matter what the struggles, you will just take it as, as an experience and you will not make it again. and we did something really really a standard movie. you cannot call it even it's indie movie. Actually, you said M- Miko did a lot. Miko's here now. He just showed up. <laughs> because I couldn't Ay-me. What's up? Ay-me. we were just you talking know. about you.
0: Hey. We were just, M- Miko, if you want to jump on, I just couldn't believe that uh, you shot in 16 hours in one day and you had actors not show up and you still kind of figured it out. How the hell did that work?
5: <laughs> uh, to be honest, I can't take no credit for nothing. I'll just put it first. Thank you, Chris, for that. Mm -hmm. And I was throw all in uh, Danny. Honestly, this guy, man, this guy, just you can't like the amount of energy and drive this guy have and passion. It's enough to light a lighthouse. Mm -hmm. So, way. And uh, I'm kind of like I'm usually I'm the kind of one who have a lot of energy and stuff like this. But with Danny, I turn the opposite you have to turn the opposite you can't because otherwise if he drives so much like this and i drive so much we'll end up in the wall exactly. so it's kind of it works as a balance we like we will go there and then he was just like kind of like he's trying to do everything i said bro don't worry, just relax we'll get it done and stuff and like after all of this we tried our best because that's what you should be doing mm-hmm. and worked and even when it like some stuff here and there we had some help from safe to put it all together at the end man yeah i I had the good people i can't say anything
0: danny how much do you think i mean you mentioned your wrestling background when it came to the fighting but how much do you think that your marine corps background helped with like just the thinking on the fly and being like all right we don't have everything we need but we just got to work with what we have and like how did your military background help with this
3: First of all, yeah, and I'm going to attest that the Marine Corps, is, the training you get in the Marine Corps, is very different than any other training in the world. Um, we're America's finest fighting force for a reason. We have the ability to adapt and overcome. We have the core values of honor, courage, commitment, simplify, never giving up, leaving no one behind. And so, the ability to adapt and overcome it, it played such a it played such a pivotal role in my wrestling career and my acting career and the filmmaking career because you need to be able to things. Nothing's always going to go go as planned. Even with wrestling, sometimes things don't go as planned. And you need to adapt and overcome and move on the fly. And the same thing with filmmaking. You're dealing with so many people on set. You know, you got to make sure everybody's getting food. You got to make sure that they're getting their breaks, that it's not too hot, that people have water, you know, that people are going over their lines. So now you're kind of macro managing, but more like supervising. And then you got to make sure your stuff's squared away because you got to lead by example. All that stuff's military training, man. And, I, you know, like I said, I was a staff sergeant in the Marine Corps. I did 10 years. I was a Marine Corps drone instructor So that stuff, the Marine Corps prepared me for life, period. And, and I'm, I'm forever grateful for my time that I served.
5: Mm. Thank you for the service
0: Yes, act- Yes, thank you Number one to you and Loudmouth um, Did you at any point And I know you can't kind of do this Because you had it all planned out But at any point after you finished the shooting And maybe when it got to the editing process Were any of you like Man, what if we took one extra day or what if oh, we yeah. kind of made this? Like, maybe we tried <laughs> another week or so. Like, you're all smiling, so I'm sure you all thought about it at one point. <laughs> <laughs> we,
5: we had this conversation <laughs> with Safe the other day. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm just going to take the lead here. I'm just going to yeah, say one. Go.
2: Yeah,
5: <laughs> go. Like, honestly, like, if Steve Jobs himself made the logo of Apple a bitten apple mm-hmm. to teach people there's always room for improvement. So there is always room for improvement. Anything,
2: mm-hmm.
0: anything,
5: make great, you still can go back and make even greater. That's mm-hmm. if you have to go back. But sometimes it's not about how many days you have. It's about having the right team to execute the right thing so you don't waste time. You do it on one day. You do sometimes the pressure makes people better.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: You know? So for me, it's, it's, it's not about the quantity of the days. It's more about the quality of the days. If you get somebody who knows what he's doing, You don't need to be going back and forth and explaining. Then you then you don't need like five hours to do. You need just one hour because the person understands. So it helps a lot to be working. And like luckily, I think um, everyone was amazing. And uh, I know if if we go back, I would just like kind of um, we would we were just we would just like make a a new mistakes. That's if we went back. That's the only answer. Mm Making mistakes, man. That's what experience is about. So Mm -hmm. if I go back, I'll make new mistakes. I might not repeat the same mistake, but I will definitely do a new one. I promise you that.
0: Right. I got you. So you guys were all also laughing too. Like, what do you think about taking more time to make it? If anybody wants to jump in.
2: The right time, not extra time. What's Miko said. Okay. The thing is, uh, there is a standard of work. Of course, but sometimes you need to jump over the standards. They call it sometimes creativity and come up with the solutions on the spot because you have a day of shooting and you have people come up, people not show up. So I think experience uh, really add on the set because movies is not like a show, uh, a TV show or a or, or series or whatever. That's you can really take your time and you fix it and edit but uh, we are luckily, as I said, we have uh, like uh, a second unit director, Nick Hermes. He's really give us a good shots for, for fighting. And we have Miko there to try to grab as much as uh, things that support the vision in, in a way. And when you come to the edit, yes, there is a problem, but still you can get a standard of the movie. Uh, So the right time, not the extra time. Uh, Sometimes you need two hours to finish things really with the quality, or you can take two days arguing, fighting inside the set and you cannot do anything. So I said, right time, not the extra time.
0: Yeah. So before we move on to like the finished product and what happens after the movie's all done uh, loud mouth, how do you, how do you find 16 hours worth of music? (laughs) Oh,
4: I, I it comes ready. It comes ready at all times. Okay,
0: like you, you had to go. You probably had to dip deeper to the archives, though, right?
4: Not even actually. That is just, like not, not no, no joke. Uh, when, when I when I DJ, I come with over like thirty three thousand songs equipped already on hand.
0: Okay. So like
4: like sixteen hours. It wasn't that it it wasn't as bad as I thought it was gonna be. I okay. thought it was terrible, but it was super easy. Did
0: Did you start getting requests and be like, man, I played that six hours ago? I, it,
4: I got, like, two requests to pay, like, to the windows to the wall. And I was like, <laughs> they're And they But I think it was from the strippers. From the strippers.
3: Yeah. They were yeah,
0: vibe. I'm sure they might have. I mean, I don't know the girls. I'm sure they might have tried to make money on the side while they were there. Like, I mean, they're I on they polls. I, they on... I hope they did. I hope they did. There's music well, going on.
3: And Miko could attest to this. They were killing it on that pole. Like, holy Bruh. shit. They were talented. They were talented.
5: Uh-huh. Of course, man, of course, no, no, everybody, that, that that's what I loved, everyone there was kind of committed and stuff, and, like, if the film was, okay, here's the thing, I'm, I'm, I'm just more, uh, like, drawn towards comedy all the time, and the film was action and serious, and the last shot of DJ Loudmouth was, like, he, like, he stays throughout the whole scene of Tish, tish all the all the action, all the throwing and the fighting and the killing. It, and he's still DJing to the last
2: minute.
5: <laughs> like this peak, look at everyone, take his laptop and leave. But then there was a comedy, so he couldn't put this. But that was one of my favorite moments. He was just DJing to the very end. Even when like the shit hit the fan, he was still DJing. Peace, bro. <laughs> That's,
0: hilarious. That's hilarious. That's <laughs> hilarious. So you finish the movie, you get through the editing process, you you have the finished product. What's the next step?
3: I'll let uh, Miko take this.
5: Yeah, usually, like, when you make stories to to inspire other, you make stories to share for people to know about different things, or to to feel certain way, or to just help them away. Like we don't make films to watch them just ourselves. So the first step we are doing already is just. We already got accepted into film festivals. Actually, kind of four, but I'm just waiting till the news becomes official. So um, we are going the film festival route, where we're just gonna go and like, um, just like try as well to spread the awareness of what's happening all the crimes etc etc all this this stuff but in the same time take the film and give the film another chance and hopefully throughout there from being in the festivals and stuff like that we can either get it to be streamed on one of the platforms as a short film or uh, extend it to make a feature film and um, that will be the plan after. The first round of festivals after it goes and then we see what's gonna happen blah, 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 and then we get to meet people and etc cetera, etc cetera, and then we can look for distributor and et cetera. so there is a whole way still a long way like literally making the film is the first step mm-hmm.
0: R- real quick to go back was filming during covid y- yes. yes so you had to but, but i mean you had to deal with that part of it like all right that, that'll be between us we'll pretend that you did everything but like that also had to be a pain in the ass right? Yes, 100 <laughs> percent.
5: Like with my family, making like, sure,
3: making, like, making sure that everybody got COVID tested beforehand. Uh, making sure that they came with their proof of COVID testing. Making sure we had hand sanitizer stations. Making sure yeah. that you know, in between yeah. takes, was, we're cleaning was, stuff. You know, like it added time to our day, and it, it was it was very tedious. Making sure people had masks if it wasn't on set or in the actual shot that they're six feet apart with a mask on. It was just right. all the COVID was, precautions that we had to take it was uh that was it was crazy. I it took so long I yeah kept,
0: it like, probably only but it would have been an eight-hour shoot right if you didn't have to do all that
3: <laughs> no we would have just had more
5: time to get more shots right you know
0: yeah. <laughs> Okay, miko you're gonna say something
5: no no i was saying like me and danny i remember we were just kind of like we we're kind of trying to um like i was saying every single day we're kind of fighting with danny that we want to tell people In message to make sure for for Corona and stuff to make sure they like uh, like they are aware they are like social distance if you are like filming you put your mask because like even our own family were giving us trouble because it was right in the middle it was yeah June last year June Mm -hmm. it was yeah June like and the pandemic started on March
0: so you were
5: still fresh not like the pandemic on March not like the pandemic now. Right. So, putting all of this in, like, there is fights, there is guns, there is, like, all of this to get, and, we, and a club scene. So, at the end of the day, we were over like 120 people in there mm-hmm. organizing all of this and getting all of stuff. It was a challenge, but it, it worked out because everyone came together at the end of the day, you know, and most of the people who were there was just there because they loved Danny. So, it added to the because it was just kind of people. Everybody putting his, you know, his own heart and energy in there. It worked.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: It worked. We're grateful.
0: Let me ask this because you're all movie people. Do you think with so when the pandemic when the pandemic hits and everything starts like there's no more theaters, there's no more anything. Everything goes to streaming now, and it's kind of changed the way we look at movies and the way like it just goes comes now straight to your house instead of going to movie theater. Does that put a movie like yours at an advantage or at a disadvantage?
2: Hmm. That's a very well, good question. <clears throat> yeah, that's a good question. Uh, okay, go ahead. Can I? Good, right. safe. Good, safe. Okay. Uh, well, actually, I see the COVID is really give us more information about the taste of the viewers. Like, okay. because they're more watching things through the social media or or movies or whatever. If you look to our movie, I don't know if you see it or not yet. Not yet. It's, yeah, it's it's having a testing pulse for everything, like political behind. What's the people look like? They have died and they are in emissions, or the deja of how, uh, like Danny in the movie, Juref, uh, remember his uh, girlfriend and she's being in the place and she get the same deja so all action movies lately it's showing there is a really uh, a secret story in before no because people don't have too much time to look and taste what they like like if you see like uh, for example mission impossible 7 you will watch it because it's just a big series and a big uh, things now you can see there is like not a big actors doing indie movies and it's being hit on Netflix or or whatever. So I think it's good to let us know more about what the people want to watch. So we put like all this in this short movie to decide which angle we're going to expand for next future projects. Mm.
4: Oh, yeah. uh, With that being said, like, you know, I think after COVID hit and being in the music industry right now, it's like, it's the same thing. How we, how we view music, how we view movies is everything is at home. everything is streaming. So uh, what I would say is it's all adaptable. It's all adaptable. to who you are like since mm-hmm. Netflix is booming right now, I think that, you know, if, if you push the movie more toward platforms of that nature, instead of trying to get in movies, like the theaters that you, you'll go further because more people are at home. So it's all, and how adaptable you are,
0: you know? Danny, you're to say
4: something?
3: Yeah, I, well, I was gonna say the pastor Salama, that's what I was saying. But on top, to caveat off what both of these gentlemen said, essentially, people are at home because of the, the, the pandemic, right? So they, they have a lot more time on their hands to watch other films. Like, I've watched so much more films this last year that, uh, with actors and actresses that I've never would have watched before. The pandemic, because I have extra time sometimes where I'm like, oh, let me see what this is about. You know, oh, oh, what? Amazon Prime released. Let me see what this did. You know, so with this happening is it opens up a bigger audience. And, and then what I will say was originally we was trying to push the film out earlier. Right. But because we had the time because the pandemic, you know, I gained a bigger following on social media. You know, now i gained a bigger. People have been getting, you know, been working, gaining more following, more more viewers to see what we're doing. So I think that it benefited us because now we go to the film festivals, right? Maybe, maybe you know it does great at the film festivals, right? But we we open up that door for people to see the film now. That like, okay, we can either stream it as is, or like Mika was saying, get somebody to to f- produce it on a bigger level to shoot a full featured film that we can go to, let's say Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime route, you know. Or, or Peacock, whatever you make. There's so many streaming services now, so many places that this phone could go, even YouTube TV, you know? So it just, you know, there's so many avenues of approach that we can take, but the main focus that we had these last few months was, you know, safe busting his ass to, to get it all together, ready for viewership.
5: No, I'm, I'm just going to like finish it with, with something. I think the pandemic helped, of course, of course, because it gave us like a lot of material to make new movies from us first and um just helped the people to appreciate content because if we were in a pandemic for much longer we were run out of content literally <laughs> nobody was producing anymore so now they start to appreciate all the entertainers and all the people who are, who are doing this shit that mm-hmm. you're just for granted so definitely pandemic helped us as people and as artists and added so much value to whatever we're doing. And it made people raise their own game and just especially as well, like the globalization of Netflix and stuff like this, that you like, Spain can make a series like Casa de Papel and just it becomes like the hit. So it's not giving Hollywood the control over stuff anymore. That's amazing. So like this people like Danny, like um, people like our uh, film, like our film can go to places back in the days you have to just get all of this uh, yeses by the like big producers from the big studios but now to have this the pandemic opens so much so that you can go from there and i see it from a different perspective i see whoever worked in the pandemic will remain working all the time because the people who waited in the pandemic they didn't do anything and they waited till the pandemic is over and then they can stop thinking of what they're gonna do but by the time they start and they finish and that adapt- this we would be done we would be done finish the race actually get rested maybe hot shower and we're waiting for them to arrive mm-hmm. so i kind of like say like the pandemic happened yes unfortunate but try to like i think loud enough just i said it's like adaptable you have to adapt around anything and just keep telling stories
0: w- one of the ways i think it might help especially for a movie like Like yours. So when you go to a movie theater, you're watching the movie that you paid for and then the movie ends and the credits roll. But a good thing with the streaming platforms is a person is watching a movie and then it makes suggestions of other movies based on that movie. So then your movie is going to pop up when other people are watching movies just like that. And they'll go, oh, what's this? So Mm -hmm. then they can move it on. So I think that it kind of helps in that way. Because then it automatically gives the person another choice to go to. Like, yeah, you know, you the movie, you're done and that's it. Yeah.
3: Yeah. A, a Perfect example was I, uh, Miko had recommended Wrath of Man from mm. the new Jason Statham film to me. Right. And I, I sat there and I watched it. was an amazing film. Jason Statham was great. And as soon as that one was over on HBO, I, stream, I paid to stream it on HBO It gave me another recommendation for another film. And I was like, oh, shit, this is cool. And I, and I watched that film, you know, it was another action film um, with uh, uh, Scott Atkins was in it. Another great martial artist, you know, action, action, action actor. So like you said, it's, it's going to be the same concept where let's say it's on Hulu or something like that, or Amazon Prime, and somebody's watching a Keanu Reeves, John Wick movie, or they're, they're watching, you know, a JC Statham, and all of a sudden is the film's over. And like you said, recommended for you, Joe Riv, you're like, oh, 15 minutes. Oh, I got 15 minutes. Let's see what this is. You know, it's, it's just like you said.
0: Mm-hmm. So is there like a Joe Riv 2 in the plans? Like, what's the deal? Do you got to start writing? <laughs>
3: Uh, what I will say is everybody would have to stay for after the credits to see. Um, because everybody oh. that knows me knows that I'm a huge Marvel fan. And just like the Marvel tradition, I, we added a post credit scene to our film. So We just have to stay tuned.
0: Uh-huh. You know, it's funny. So a lot of films are doing that. And I don't know if you guys saw this, but so movie theaters, well, it might've been just this one movie theater. They put up this like chalkboard in the on the way into the theater. And whatever movie you're going to see, like it tells you when the secret thing comes at the end to like stick wow. around for. So it's like two minutes after credits roll, this is when this end scene comes. Like four we minutes after, what's it? You did that? Yeah, we did that. Yeah. So it like tells you, like, okay, don't go anywhere because in three yeah. minutes something's going to happen. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Cause a lot of people like get up. But then you saw the people, I mean, like Marvel started people getting used to it. But sometimes you'd go to movies that weren't even Marvel and like the this the the credits would start rolling were- and the the like lights would come kind of up and people would be doing one of these they'd be like they're not sure if they should get up yeah. and leave yet i just like i just watched
3: <laughs> i just watched the new Fast and the Furious movie that just came out this last weekend and there's mm-hmm. there's a, a post credit scene in it yeah, and yeah. i i was getting up and because i'm trained now because Marvel, i'm like you know Fast and the Furious had a post credit scene before maybe this one will i don't know i don't know and then sure enough you know there was a scene and i was like man we got to keep the trend going with our films
5: Yeah, Uh, yeah, because, like, the credit is... is, For me, it's more about just making all of those credits that... Because you you see Jason, Statham, you know this guy, but you don't know all the other people who made this film. Like, all the audio guys, these gaffers, the cinematographers, all of those guys... People don't care about credit, so they started making this so people actually watch all the credit because all of this actually all these people worked so hard to make this film, and without them, there will not be film.
2: Mm-hmm. That's
0: it. And and one of the brilliant things they did too is it wasn't just like an extra scene; it like explains something that's coming in another movie. Yes. So you yeah, you need you need movie. that scene to make
2: sense. Yeah. That's we exactly. Did that. That's we, exactly we, what yeah. we did. Yeah. 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 We uh, put at, at the end of the credit like. There is a, a second movie, Continuous. So stay tuned for the part two or the season two or whatever. That's right.
0: Now, was that a conscious effort when you were filming the movie? Or did it just yes, like, yes. okay. No, it was
3: it was written in. And I, I told Miko before, I said, this is the scene right here. That has to happen at the end of the credits. But we knew that's what it was going to be. Because in my mind, it was either going to be Joe Riv 2, a sequel, or, you know, the full featured film where it's all together. You know, what it was going to be one or the other so it mm-hmm. gets, it's it an open-ended as... story exactly
0: got i gotta ask danny some wrestling questions i don't know if you guys want to stick around for that or up to God, you I guys they
3: good hey gentlemen thank you so much for hopping on the podcast man thank yeah. you, you so I much Lamar, Mal, you Saif, and Miko.
0: I, I really appreciate i really appreciate it i'll be making sure to mention all you guys in like the stuff that we do on the on the website
3: that was fun chris thank you
0: for that <laughs> yeah that was good of course yeah anytime man i mean it's, it's cool that you wrote a movie and you got it done. You know, like, that's amazing. Like, I, there's so many questions, other questions that, like, have to do with that. Like, so you said you used to write as a kid. Did you always write? Like, I know you had a word processor, but, like, what was the early stuff you did?
3: Um, like, little short stories. Like, not, like, like, little stories about whatever popped in my mind. I think the first one I remember was about a kid that, that, that had a balloon. He, mm-hmm. like, was walking with a balloon. All of a sudden, the balloon just started making him fly. Mm -hmm. And he's like traveling and like looking around and seeing all these things happening in the, in, in, in in his city. And then the balloon pops and he falls. And then when he lands, he wakes up and it was a dream. That was the first story I ever remember writing. And it was like, maybe, maybe first or second grade. I can't remember. I started typing very young and like, I remember writing at the end, it was all a dream, you know? And Mm then I was like, Oh, like I I developed a love for writing and like being able to tell a story and, and keep someone engaged through a story. And, uh, with, with, I would write, and sometimes I'd be at, at home bored and I just start typing a story or whatever. But as I'm writing it, I write it like you read a book. But I always envisioned that, oh, you know, I would write as if, oh, one I would want to see in a movie. Does that make sense? Yeah. So now when I took the screenwriting class and I learned how to properly write for a film, it became so much easier for me to put my imagination and my thoughts onto a screenplay. Mm-hmm.
0: And when did you decide you wanted to join the Marine Corps?
3: I, I never decided I wanted to join the Marines. It happened out of nowhere. I was 17 years old. I played baseball. And when I couldn't play baseball my senior year because I, I got kicked out of two high schools, you know, they were like, oh, we already have our team. You know, you're new to this school. It's your senior year. Like, can't do nothing for you. I had no plans after high school. You know, uh, I didn't even know independent wrestling was a thing. All I knew was WWE back in my my younger years. So I, I didn't know where to go with life. You know, um, as a kid, I wanted to wrestle. A kid, I wanted to act, you know. But I didn't know how to get there from New York City, you know, being a Puerto Rican kid. So when when a friend of mine from school was like, hey, man, I'll buy you a slice of pizza. If you come with me to my recruiting station, I get points, you know, we'll call it a deal. So I went for the free pizza and I ended up signing my life away for 10 years.
0: That must have been a pretty convincing person.
3: Yes, he should have been. A re- and he ended up becoming a Marine
0: Corps recruiter, actually. So it, it works. It works out. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about your friend. I'm talking about the guy at the Marine Corps recruiting thing who convinced you. Oh,
3: yeah. Well, here's the thing. He didn't want to convince me. I, I, He like Jedi mind tricked me. I, I walk I walk in the recruiting station and the staff sergeant it was Staff Sergeant Rosario dressed in his dress blues looking crisp, professional. And he looks at me and uh, I, I was a street kid back then. So, like, I dressed my pants with sagging, you know, big T-shirts, whatever and he looked at me. He's like, you can't be a Marine. Just get out of my office, walk across the street to the army. And I was like, OK. And I never had any intention to join any military. But here I am walking to the army now, you know, because he told me he ordered me to. And I'm like, he had that 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 command authority, that command presence to make me listen. So I'm walking to the army recruiter and the army recruiter comes out and he's like smoking a cigarette and he's making a phone call. And it just looked so unprofessional to me. So I turned back around and I walked into the office because in my head, I'm like, that's what he sees me as cigarette smoking, you know, whatever. This is not, I'm not trying to make a joke on the army, even though I think the Marine Corps is way better. It just where he was to where he sent me. It's like, he was telling me I wasn't good enough. Mm. So I turned around, I walked in and I was like, I don't care what you say. I'm going to be a Marine. I never wanted to join any military. Like I never, I never even knew the difference between the Marine Corps, the Navy, the Air Force, the army. So it, it was, so crazy to me that when I look back, I'm like, man, this dude really just told me no. And I ended up, I must have been the easiest recruit for him to, to recruit. Had to have been because I was so stubborn and so arrogant back then that somebody told me I couldn't do something. I was going to prove them wrong. And so I ended up going back in, telling him that I want to join. He signed, he signed me up to take the test. I took the ASVAB. He told me I was only 17, so I had to get my mom and my dad's signature. So I went home, told my mom and my dad that night I was joining the Marine Corps. The next day they came and they signed me up.
0: They were okay with it, obviously. I mean, it didn't take much convincing for them.
3: It's funny because I was such a bad kid that they used to threaten to step. You remember when like Jerry Springer and Maury shows used to have the drill sergeants come and scream at the kids. When I was younger, I was so bad that they were threatened to send me to the place.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You
3: know, oh, we're going to send you to the boot camp to scare you straight or yada, yada. So when I ended up going home that night, I'm like, hey, parent, you know, mom, dad, like jokes on you. Like I'm going to boot camp on my own. (laughs) You know, like I want to be a Marine. And That's so they crazy. they signed me up. They they were proud of me, and then I ended up becoming one of those guys.
0: I mean, yeah, I was gonna was say. say so how did you become a how did you become a drill sergeant?
3: So in the Marine Corps, it's called drill instructor, right? Drill instructor, and okay. a, drill, a drill instructor to be a drill instructor in the Marine Corps, you gotta you gotta fall into the top ten percent of the Marine Corps. So you have to make it to the rank of sergeant, and then based off your stats, your rifle range scoring, your physical fitness test, your combat fitness test, you know your martial arts experience, everything you do is percentiles and like ranked and grading and stuff like that. So you got to fit into that top 10%, because obviously, if you're going to make Marines, you got to be the example. So once I became a sergeant and I, and I met the criteria, I went to drone instructor school. I graduated number one out of my class, became the undergraduate. And then I went to go be a drone instructor, and I made over 350 Marines. You know, and, I, and from there, I broke the, the, the regimental track record, my platoon's. Written scores and test scores were like 97 average across wide, shattered the record by a whole eight points in a percentile. You know, drill records we we were doing great on drill our physical fitness records. We broke the regimental record of physical fitness standards. Just by the way, we trained our recruits. Like it was, it was a crazy experience and a crazy journey, and I had so much fun being a drill show.
0: I was thinking about this today, and I could be wrong, but like, hear me out on this. So, as a drill instructor, you're kind of acting, right? Cause I mean, you mean what you say, but you got to come right. off as a different person, kind of.
3: So there's phases in recruit training. So there's first phase, second phase, third phase, fourth phase, and with each phase, as a drone instructor, you kind of let up on the throttle. Does that make sense? Like that, yeah. those first those first four days, like you grow to hate them because you don't sleep, you don't eat. just I'm stressed out, sleep deprived, dehydrated. And these recruits are getting eight hours of sleep, three meals a day. Like, and they want to wake up tired and act like they're hungry. And so you, you know, you're like, you know, you just had eight hours of sleep and, a, and, a, and breakfast. I slept maybe 22 minutes and I haven't an ate mm. and you want to be, you want, you want to be tired. So your intensity level of your training, it, you raise it because you're trying to break them down so you could build them back up. And so it's, I wouldn't say it's acting, because at no point did I pretend anything as a instructor, mm. But everything I did had purpose. Mm-hmm. So the way I trained the recruits, the reasons why, okay, you know, if someone, if I touch my face right now, you're not really going to get mad. As a, If a recruit touches their face, I'm not really mad if someone touches their face. But the reason why I'm mad that they're touching their face in recruit training is because let's say you're a sniper and you're in your position and you're waiting for your target. And all of a sudden you're so undisciplined, you need to touch your face. Mm-hmm. Now you miss your shot. So like, it's a little things, like prepare like pr- thank you, like preparing your uniform. You have an Irish it. You, you know, you didn't take the time to cut the Irish pennant and make your uniform look squared away. It's not really a big deal, but if you don't Irish pin it your uniform, to me, that tells me that you don't have that attention to detail to make sure you look well groomed and well mannered, which means you probably don't clean your rifle the white way, which means you probably don't break <laughs> your rifle all the way down to the boat to clean it. And then that happens, if you don't clean your weapon, now your weapon's dirty, it gets clogged, you go to fire, you don't get to fire your weapon, now someone dies because you couldn't pull the trigger because you didn't clean your weapon the right way because you didn't have the tension and detail that goes far as back as just cutting a piece of rope off of your, your uniform. Mm-hmm. So that's why people say it's acting, but really, we just exaggerate why we're upset. You know, I don't care if you touch your face. If you want to get pink eye, touch your face. You know what I'm saying? But if you get pink eye, now you get three days of training and now you get dropped. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there's reasons and it's a to the madness. It's, it's all... You know, controlled chaos is how is how the best way I would describe this.
0: And when did you realize? So you're done the ten years. When do you, when do you go? Okay, I want to wrestle.
3: Well, I started wrestling when I was in Marine Corps.
0: Oh, so really? Okay.
3: When I was right before I became a drone instructor, you know, I was a, I was a sergeant for two years. I started training to be a wrestler when I was a sergeant. And then when I just started getting the ball rolling on the indies, and I'm I'm making you know m- making some towns and you know having some good matches, and I'm wrestling in Mexico, you know, and people are starting to hear my name in 2016. You know, I fall into that top 10%. I go be a drone instructor. My wrestling career is, on hold for two years. So I came back in 2018, and I had to start again from the bottom, like, trying to get bookies, trying to get, you know, but I had no place to train either because I had got kicked out of my training school. They told me I'd never wrestle again. So the joke's on dumb, right? So,
0: so when you're there for wrestling training, are you kind of like, man, I'll, I'm the Marines. This ain't shit. So,
3: yes, I think that kind of worked against me though, because even though I was in amazing physical shape and had the endurance and the stamina and, and you know, the, the, the intensity level of wrestling training wasn't nothing compared to the Marine Corps, you know, it, it made me come across arrogant to certain people when I was just being myself, like I wasn't trying to be arrogant. It's like, this is nothing to me. You know, like running the ropes is not hard for me because running miles, humping, you know, humping with 50 pound packs and training recruits with no sleep, you know? So, It it definitely, it definitely kind of rubbed some people the wrong way early in my career. But I think now people got an understanding of who I am.
0: Because you know many of the traditions of being in the Marines, did you help you understand the traditions of being in wrestling?
3: Yes and no. So for me, you know, in the Marine Corps, you respect, you respect the rank, right? No matter what person's rank is, you have to respect them. You know, there's not really rank in, in wrestling, you know, it's kind of like, you know, oh, back in my day, you hear wrestlers say all the time, back in my day you know, da, 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 da. back in my day, I you know, I, I'm in a fighting home, you know? So what you're going to tell me about your little road stories is mm-hmm. nothing compared to what I was doing in mainland Japan when Operation Tamadashi was going on and I'm and I'm completing humanitarian services at 18 years old,
5: you know? Right.
3: yo, I'm sorry, you had to drive five hours to get to a town and, you know, like, yeah. so I understood their, their point of view, but it, to me, it just didn't register because I'm like, everything that I did in life from a very young age was way more difficult than what you were doing, you know? At least in my eyes. I'm sorry. Like, mm. the training and, and, and the missions and the things like that was so different for wrestling. Now I understand, okay, there are six things as veterans in wrestling, but you're not a veteran in the military until you're done with the military. Then you're considered a veteran. you right. know, Until then, you're just working your way up the rank. And you have to respect the rank. But it's to me, it was always better when you respected the person that wore the rank. So mm. they led by example. You know, do as I there's a, there was a lot of "do as I say, not as I do" mm-hmm. in the military, and those are the people that you respect them because they're a captain, but you don't respect them as a man.
2: Mm-hmm. You know
3: because they're telling you "don't do this, don't do this, do this," but they're doing the opposite. Right? The same thing in wrestling. You see that that one guy who's the 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 the, the legend in his town, but never never went anywhere with his career. Just wrestled in the same place for a hundred years,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and they want to act like they're "oh man," blah, 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 mm-hmm. you know. But it's like, bro, but. Why am I going to follow you? If you're so good, why have you been sitting here for 10 years?
2: Mm-hmm. No, that, I was my
3: issue. that was my issue with my wrestling school was like, there was guys that I've been wrestling 10 years and, but they went nowhere with their career. So why are you talking down to me?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Why are you trying to belittle me to make yourself feel better for your $50 or whatever you're getting paid? You know? So I, it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, the way I carried myself. But one thing that I will be able to say is that I, I've been authentic to who I am my entire wrestling career. I never changed, never switched up. Obviously, I'm more mature now than I was when I first started. And I understand things better now. I see things from a different level. But I've always been me, you know? And that's something that I could, that, that no one could take from me.
0: Did they try to immediately label you with the, uh, give you the military gimmick?
3: Um, yes and no. Some people wanted, like certain places wanted me to, but I've never... I've never, ever, ever wore military fatigues or, you know, came out with American flag or or anything like that. And it's not that I'm not proud of to be an American or proud to be a veteran. Like, I am I just, it's my past. I did it. I did 10 years of it. Why do I want to, I love wrestling, you know? Mm-hmm. Why do I want to take something that I did and I was in love with a long time ago and and, and basically do it again? You know, I don't want to do, I don't, I want to do something different, which is why I got, if that was the case, I would have stood in the military, you know?
0: Got you. Um. Your I, your debut on Dynamite was that the that was a match with Varsity Blondes against Omega and Good Brothers, right? Yeah, that's a hell of a that's a hell of a debut. <laughs> hell of a debut. <laughs> I was looking at that. And I was thinking, did you did you make the joke when you heard about that? Were you like, so we're going over, right? <laughs> like, did you kind of because I would make that joke because oh, obviously you're not.
3: <laughs> I, first of all, I want to give a shout out to Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison. They're they're future stars, man. Incredible mm-hmm. tag team. I, I love both of those dudes. But we, we we laughed in the back, you know, mm-hmm. when when all of a sudden, you know, we kind of we kind of knew it was happening the the the, the week before when mm-hmm. everything had happened and we jumped the ring and we got beat up by the good brothers real fast, you know, and, and we got we got we kind of got the word that we were gonna be having that match. And you know, man, I was so excited because to me, you know, not only is it my dynamite debut, but I'm wrestling the AEW world champion, mm-hmm. right? And I'm wrestling at the time, the impact tag team champions, mm. you know, they used to be known as the bullet club, like literally one of the best wrestlers all the best wrestler in the world right now. And mm. one of the best tag teams ever. And, you know, here I am two months, I was like two months on AEW. I've only been there, I had only been there for two months and, you know, the match, you know, it was insane. It was just, it was, it kind of turned into the Danny Lionel Knight versus Omega show in mm-hmm. that match. And, and it was, it's a testament to how good Kenny Omega is. And I just wanted to show the world that I can, that I belong in the room with the best. And I think that I did that.
0: Uh-huh. No, it was absolutely, it was absolutely a great match. Actually. So my co-host Steph could not be here tonight. She, uh, her regular job pulled her away and she could oh, not man. be here, but she wanted me to send this message to you. And okay. so she's, so she said, apologize to Danny for me that I couldn't make it. Make sure to let him know that I used to live in San Diego, so I popped when I saw him show up on AEW because I saw him wrestle at Fist Combat Show in November 2018 at Jolton Joe's in La Mesa, just a couple wow. of streets down from her apartment. Wow. So she goes that way back.
3: Ago. Yeah, yeah that's, that, that feels like forever ago, actually.
0: Doesn't it, though? But it's only 2018. <laughs> I
3: know, but I was wrestling at a bar in 2018. Man, I wonder who I wrestled then. I, I would have probably had to have been wrestling maybe Jay Rios or Matt Vandegrift or somebody like that.
0: I'm gonna ask her because uh, she's on chat. Who did he wrestle? <laughs> he wants to know. This is great for uh, this is great for a podcast. I'm typing
3: November November of 2018. <laughs> yeah, Jay Rios. Uh... She
0: actually sent me the YouTube clip, but I don't want to show it right now because then it'll the volume will come up and it'll screw up the, the show. She'll get back to me. She'll absolutely get back cool. to me. But so that's she funny, was, That's
2: awesome. Yeah, she was. I I was like, like, I I
0: yeah, so she got her job kind of pulled her away, and she usually makes these episodes, like, because that's why we do it at night. But she, she just couldn't make it tonight. So, um, what's are you with a what's the plan moving forward with AW or under under contract? Like, what's the deal?
3: Free, free agent.
0: You're a free agent. At the okay. moment.
3: Yeah.
0: And um, like, what do you want to do? Like, do you see? I mean, because so many things are opening up now. Like, everybody's going yeah. back out.
3: I honestly, I. I I don't close the door to any opportunities. You know, I have a few things coming up um, that I'm excited for. You know, I've had a a great time at New Japan. I've had a great time at AEW. You know, there's just so many other places that I want to check out and so many other things I want to do in my career. Um, I would love to stay at AEW. I'd love to stay with New Japan. I'd love to go try new places. You know, I I never close the door to any opportunity. The the goal is always to grind and grow. I love the hustle. I love feeling that grind. And I feel like, you know, these next couple of things that I have coming up is going to be fun.
0: And like, do you like the fact that uh, maybe not the big one, maybe not the big Fed, but all the other ones kind of work together so you can bounce around to different places? Do you kind you of know, like that?
3: I kind, I'm kind of like an OG forbidden door walker. If you think about it, you know, yeah. I was one of the you know Tony Khan opened that forbidden door, and I and I was one of the first ones that was going back and forth between New Japan and AEW. You know, John Moxley obviously, you know, Kenta did it. The Good Brothers were doing it. Um, so yeah, it's been. It's, just, it's awesome that so many companies are working together. There's so much happening for wrestling right now. Um, and I'm just excited to see what's next, you know?
0: Uh, so she said it should be in the video description. I'm going to go look for it right now. Okay. Because it'll it was it tell you. And then she said, uh, no, she just said uh, it's in the video description. Uh, it's going super slow. And I will tell you who it was. W- who was your guess again?
3: Jay Rios or Rios Bandu or Matt Vandegrift?
0: Let's see. It was a three-way with dylan kyle cox and rios badu oh,
3: yeah, rios badu yep yeah jay rios so i it won was a, that one
0: it was a three-way okay
3: <laughs> i hit him with a spanish fly
0: off the top rope so, so there you go that's that's the show she was at <laughs> that's so funny um so dkc
3: uh, dylan kyle cox
0: he's with new japan now okay he's, see, he's, he's a young lion it's, it's so hard to follow everybody like, you know, you mm-hmm. see some guys sometimes and you're like, oh, whatever happened to that guy? And then you realize he's somewhere that you just haven't been paying mm-hmm. attention to. It makes it so hard to like get everybody or you see somebody now and you're like, oh, yeah, shit. I remember him on the Indies when he was something else. And it's just really yeah. hard to like. One
3: thing that I am happy about is that my name has never changed. My name has always been Danny Limelight. So that's pretty cool that, I, that and, I've been able to keep that going.
0: And why Limelight?
3: Now I'm in the limelight cause I rhyme tight. Time to get paid blow up like the World Trade. Okay, that,
0: that, okay, that's then that's fine with me. The limelight,
3: I, the limelight was a, a club in New York City that you could only get into, you know, if you were the shit. And So I knew that when I was making my name, I wanted it to be like the big bright lights in New York City, the spotlight, like the center of attention. Um, you think of Kanye West when he's like, "She'll do anything for the limelight. Mm. We'll do anything when the time's right." You know, it's just it's just one of those words that mean. You know, everything that I wanted my character in wrestling to stand for. So Got I loved it. it. I thought it was cool. And I thought it was, I thought it would look good on a flyer and sound good. when talking
0: It does. And then one last question, it, it, it'll kind of put you on the spot, but you might already have the answer. So let's, let's just use AW as an example, AW calls and they're like, Danny, we want you to come back. We're going to put you main event of a dynamite opponent of your choice. Who's it going to be? Kenny, Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega.
3: One-on-one for the first time ever.
0: Okay. I mean, yeah, of course, <laughs> of course you're going to pick the champ, but I just wondered like maybe there's somebody else,
3: if somebody else.
0: Pop. Okay. That'd be a good one. All right. And how do you see it? Uh, obviously you're going over. How long do you go? Uh, how long do you go and how, ha- and, and, and I mean, I mean, you're going to use your finisher. So that's kind of obvious. Uh, no, I'm going to roll them up. Oh No, don't. I hate that. <laughs> I, hate, I hate that. Like I, this is one of my, I have so many, like, I try not to, like, I don't do this for a living. I know everybody does. And I know sometimes you just got to, like, work with the finishes. But there's certain things. It's, like, you can't tell me that a guy is going to take another guy's finisher sometimes two, three times, and then a schoolboy is going to get him. And it's, like, I I can't believe that. Like, I can't. If Steph was here, she would be not like,
3: when right. We're not going to do a schoolboy, though. We're going to do a <laughs> magistral cradle.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. At least, I, <laughs> believable, like, like, I, sometimes I, like, Steph yells, calls me old man yelling at Cloud, because sometimes I get <laughs> mad at some things in wrestling. I'm like, it's just got to, like, and and stuff like that. I'm like, no, you can't roll up somebody. Uh, anyway, so I'm not going to sit there and yell about it. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you online. Uh,
3: thank, first of all, Chris, thank you so much for this interview. was so much fun. a pleasure course, meeting man. you and send my love to Steph. Um, anybody listening, thank you for listening. Make sure you're following me on Twitter and Instagram at Danny Limelight. ProWrestlingTees.com backslash back, Danny Longmite. Stay tuned for Joe Riv coming soon. Thank you to all my friends from the cast and crew of Joe Riv that came on for this interview. Make sure you follow them as well. And Chris, thank you so much. Let's do it again.
0: And real quick, where can they find it to watch it? The movie? To, to be
3: determined right now. First, to be determined. It, it first, first, it has to go through the film festivals.
0: And then when then and we'll then figure the, it all out. The
3: first, the first initial screening will be in Vegas next month.
0: Gotcha. Okay. And then I'm sure it'll be on all your social media pages where they can feed where they can see from there. Yes. Cool. All right. Dude, I really appreciate it.